Hello, Tea Crew, and welcome to this brand new episode of Tea Talk with Shaw. Today, we're going to be getting into all the topics all over social media and the internet, and we're also going to be doing a deep dive on the hip hop police. So, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. All right, Tea Crew, as per usual, the tea is brewing. So, let's go ahead and get straight into it. The first topic here, LSU beat Iowa, um, led by Angel Reese, a Baltimore native, and congratulations to those ladies. LSU has a new coach, I hear, um, and they really have been a force to be reckoned with lately. But of course, it wouldn't be a topic if there was no tea. So apparently, people think that Angel Reese's um, reaction to winning and beating Iowa and they're led by Caitlin Clark was classless and the word classless started trending or no class or something like that started trending after um, the LSU win and I was like you know what I am so sick of people um, policing the way that black women react. First, it was Angela Bassett when she didn't win, um, the well-deserved Oscar. And she just sit there, she sat there politely, but obviously you can tell there was something on her mind. Now they're policing black reactions again, as this woman, literally Caitlin Clark literally did the same hand motion. It comes from wrestling, um, for those that, you know, don't remember the reference, but it's basically saying like, you can't see me. And the wrestler would like put his hand in his face. Like, you can't see me. You can't see me. She literally did this to Angel the game before or a couple games before, um, people had pointed out on Twitter. I don't really watch a lot of basketball, so I didn't see either game. Um, but she does that. Caitlin Clark had done that to Angel Reese in the past. So Angel Reese just basically did what she did to her. And then she pointed to her ring finger and she was like, yeah, a ring is going on this finger. First of all, athletes, like I said on my Instagram page, if you're not following, please follow T-Talk with Sha on Instagram. Um, like I said on my Instagram page yesterday, athletes crap talk. They talk crap all the time. It's part of playing sports, right? It's the mental part of sports where they try to get in your head and try to get, you know, little things like men do this all the time, literally. Literally, I think the LSU football team had um, in 2020 when they won some type of Rose Bowl or something, their quarterback was pointing to his ring finger as well. So this might be an LSU thing. I don't know, but I'm just saying like that was not classless. Like she didn't taunt that girl. They were going back and forth. They were upset because they lost. I mean, it's, it's a huge loss to win. Also, I will point out the tickets to this final game um, we're near $500 and that is very high for women's college sports. Um, it, you know, in any college sport for women. So she's definitely bringing attention to the sport. She's bringing some notoriety to the sport. I know little rain, little Wayne reached out to her. The Baltimore Ravens reach out to her. Angel Reese is really a force. Um, 
And I just feel like whenever it's black women, we're always classless. We're always overreacting. We're not reacting appropriately. And I'm sick of people policing black women's reactions. Let us have reactions as normal human beings. Everyone else is allowed to react and celebrate in the way that they find normal. It's even black men. But why can't we react and celebrate the way that we find to be appropriate and normal? She's put in a lot of work. She had to transfer from a team closer to her home apparently and move out to Louisiana I believe where LSU is so she has made a lot of adjustments to be able to get this chip to get this championship to get this ring she's changed everything in her life only to be called too ghetto at a place not good for the league. All these things were said about her just because she's a woman who is a little different than what they've been likely to see in this league. And it's basically, you know, really disgusting. It's also profiling to sit there and pick her apart when nobody else is on the chopping block the way she is. Um, But you know what? Let your haters be your motivators because without that hate, Who is to say if she could have rose up against them? Because what can anybody say? She's a champion. Um, You know, she said what she said. She's not taking it back. She's not cowering in the corner like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have celebrated so much. I I really regret that. No, she stood in herself and she was like, I worked hard for this championship. I did not go overboard in my own opinion. And you guys always want to pick with me. And I'm glad that at 20 years old, she has that kind of self-awareness to know that, People are just picking with you because of who you are, not what you did, because obviously what she did is what everyone does. Okay, so you're picking on her for something different that has absolutely nothing to do with what she does on that court or even what she does off that court. You just don't like the actual fiber of her being a black woman. And you know what? Y'all can stay mad. (laughs) Please stay mad. I want you to stay mad. You don't like it, stop broadcasting, stop commentating on this kind of basketball because she is the future of this division, obviously, okay? So you might as well just hang your mic up, drop your mic now, okay? You don't like it? Too bad, too sad, get over it. (laughs) You know what I mean? She's the future of women's basketball. If you don't like it, get over it. All right, let's get into the next topic here, Dreamville. J. Cole's uh, new festival took place over the weekend. So let's get into the recap. Lil Wayne was a headliner and he brought out Drake, Glorilla, uh, Lil Uzi. He just brought the whole daggone city out in an epic headlining performance. Um, Drake also performed with J. Cole and had the crowd singing I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. I was like, I don't know what was happening there, but I'm sure it's a vibe. Black was also a special guest, which I was super excited about, but bummed out that I didn't get to see it. I'm going to see if somebody illegally <laughs> throws those videos up on YouTube so I can, um, you know, zoom out today while I'm like relaxing and cleaning and doing whatever, um, because I like to watch those performances. Sometimes you'll put them online. So hopefully I'll be able to grab a couple of those. Now, Gorilla actually missed her set. She was supposed to be performing her own set earlier, but I guess she didn't make it or whatever the case may be. But she was brought out by Lil Wayne to do a few songs during his set. So concert goers did get a chance to see her. Tusi did his famous favorite song, which I absolutely love. And I was so sad that I wasn't there. 
there to hear it because he literally says in this song i'm on stage singing your favorite song and i'm like i would have definitely probably cried or had a moment <laughs> because i really love that song the city girls were also there in some brown ensemble and they shut it down but people were saying that allegedly jt was shading the new girls now when i watched this clip i will say right off top that when I watched this clip, I felt like JT's energy was just like, I'm just a little bit tired. Like maybe they had just performed or they had performed a few minutes before. And you know how it is. They just pull out these little um, movable chairs and backstage, you know, in between everything else that's going on, they're trying to get these interviews from them. And the interviewer basically asked her, what does she think? Or what do her and Carisha think about the newcomers? And they both kind of had a little moment of silence, but then Carisha, you know, jumped right into it. And she was like, oh, I like Ice Spice. I like Lola Brooke. Um, they talked about her remix with Lola Brooke um, to Don't Play With It. And, you know, JC was kind of just like sitting there. But I honestly just felt like people were saying her energy was off. I honestly felt like she was somewhere else. JT said that she was just daydreaming and in her own world. And that's kind of what it looked like. It's just like, you know, I'm about to perform or I already performed and I'm not really thinking about <laughs> the questions that you're asking me I honestly feel like it's such a weird standard that we put on people like they are rappers they are rap artists they are musicians and we make them have to be public speakers we make them have to be role models we make them have to be advocacy agents for different you know groups and charities and it's like if you're good at stuff like that then that's great but it's like why are we putting all that on rappers like if you just want to get up and rap <laughs> You know what I mean? It's so funny. I was watching like an um, interview by Central C and they were asking him like, okay, you know, you're getting so big in the UK, even getting so big in the States. Why don't you do more interviews? And he's like, I literally just want to speak through my music. And I feel like so many musicians do speak through their music. So why do they have to give so many interviews? It's like, we want to get everything from them. We want to get into their personal life. We want to get into their private life. We want to get into what they have coming up with their music and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's like really all they owe us as musicians is the music. But we just got into this place now where it's like, if you don't have, you know, your personal, your personal life on social media, if you don't like make these parasocial relationships with us, like we won't make you a star. It's really taxing and it's a lot. You know what I mean? But I guess that's the difference between being like rich and being wealthy and famous, because if you're famous, then, you know, I guess the people feel like we made you, you owe us something. I don't know. I said all that to say she just looked tired to me. It didn't look like anything that serious to me. Um, but allegedly it was shade to the newbies, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's get into this next topic here. NLE Choppa is under fire for walking Suki and Sexy Red Like Dogs during his Slut Me Out remix video. Now, this is a video that he did with Suki and Sexy Red. And basically, the women had like long, colorful weaves in and NLE was holding the weaves like a leash and the women were all on were on all fours. Now, knowing Sukiana to me, I don't really know the other person, but she seems like she's on the Sukiana wave, that this is something that's right up her alley. And NLE Chapa did hop in the comments of the neighborhood talk to clear everything up. 
He said that this was for entertainment purposes only, and both women insisted on this posing for the video. He also said that everyone, including um, these two artists, Sexy Red and Suki, were treated great on the set. This is just for entertainment purposes. Now, the song and the lyrics of the song are super suggestive, and honestly, this seems to kind of go on brand for what the song is and what the song sounds like. So I kind of agree with him there that it's just for entertainment purposes. Some people find it to be demeaning or whatever the case, but these are also grown women. If they didn't want their likeness this way, they wouldn't have got on the grass. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but this is exactly, you know, what they did want to do and that's why they did it. Um, so I really can't tell adults how to behave. And I think a lot of people were just kind of, because I was kind of taken back by the image too. I was like, that's kind of a lot. But then I looked on the ground and saw who it was. I was like, okay, this is Suki. This is on brand for Suki. And I think Sexy Red is the one who says something about something's pink and something's brown. (laughs) I don't want to get demonetized, but you guys know what I mean. So I definitely think that this is on brand for both ladies. And I think that he's not the rapper to disrespect or make anyone feel less than or demeaned on set. So if they didn't want to do it, I'm not, I'm not sure this is something that he would make them do. Um, but I'm glad he came into the comments and cleared that up because I was really thinking to myself like, okay, now, what what is happening here <laughs> okay because it did look a little bit uh uh starching all right let's get into the next topic here um new housewife Anne marie wiley has joined the cast of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Now, Anne Marie is married to Marcellus Wiley. He's a defensive former NFL player, and she is a nurse anesthesiologist. Now, Darrell, uh, <laughs> Garcelle and Dorit are already friendly with her, and it has been confirmed that she has filmed already. So this is great news. I really started watching Beverly Hills because of Garcelle, and I wanted to support, you know, a black housewife. And now to have another black housewife, she has like four beautiful kids. She's funny. She's charismatic, according to all reports. And I think she's the perfect breath of fresh air after Rena's exit last season. I really think this like take down a housewife thing has to be stopped. You know, I know it's entertaining. I know people enjoy it, but this whole narrative of every season we're especially in Beverly Hills, we're going to gang up on a housewife and, um, take them down. I just find that to be you know, disgusting and unneeded. I think there's so many other things that can add color to a show, make it interesting, still have drama and not do things like that. Um, so I really think that Anne Marie is the perfect addition. Now we haven't seen her. I don't know her from anything else. Um, so I don't really know what, you know, how she's going to fit into this group, but it is nice to see Garcelle get another black housewife. Who's to say if they'll be friends, who's to say if they won't, not just cause you know, they're just cause they're black doesn't mean they'll get along. Um, but I know that it's hard to be the only one and Garcelle has been the only one for seasons now. Um, even with bringing her friend Cherie on the show, I really don't think Cherie added that much to the show. And I also think she was trying to get in with Fox five. So I was just like Fox force five or whatever it is. I'm like, "Mm, 
not not really a huge fan of um her so it'll be nice to see what this other woman of color is bringing i'm excited to see more diversity on beverly hills because like people have been saying in the comments for years it doesn't have to be an all black cast or an all white cast that we can have diverse uh casts and it doesn't have to come down to race um i was actually watching i believe it was up in Adam and they were talking about this with um, people of the rainbow community as well, that they felt like it was hard to have a trans person or a gay person or, you know, a lesbian person on um, Vanderpump rules because they felt like as soon as something happened with that person, their whole identity was attacked, that they felt as though people were treating them differently or maybe they were treating them differently because of their sexual orientation. So it's something similar with racism where they feel like we're afraid to bring more people of color into this environment because we don't know how they're going to behave, i.e. New York, right? Ebony came on to the show, you know, great intentions, trying to get along with the ladies. And of course she was, you know, treated terribly, um, because of her race and because they thought she just didn't quote unquote fit in, but it had a lot to do with the fact that she was a black woman. So I just think adding more diversity, more people of color to the cast will actually make it a lot easier for those that are already on the cast and face this kind of racism, um, you know, just being a housewife, just being on a reality show. It's like crazy in 2023 that this is still an issue, but obviously it is. Um, so welcome Anne Marie. Can't wait to see what you bring to the show. All right. So let's get into this last topic here. Wendy Williams is allegedly selling all of the items in her New York penthouse, including her iconic purple chair and moving to Los Angeles. Now this is causing concern among her friends because she's never really lived, you know, permanently outside of the tri-state area. Um, for those that watched her movie, you know that she had to move to Philly for a while after she was banned from New York radio. And then she came back to New York radio and she's always lived in, you know, Jersey or the city while she was filming her longtime running show. Um, so this is kind of out of character for Wendy, uh, and we still haven't gotten the podcast. So people are again, questioning her sobriety, questioning, you know, whether or not she's actually trying to make a comeback or if she's in retirement permanently, we have absolutely no idea. It does seem kind of out of character for Wendy to move at the same time. It might be good for her. I know that, you know, she won her latest, uh, case in her divorce, um, settlement with her ex Kevin Hunter he applied for alimony to be reinstated um that Wendy was not paying it after losing her job on the Wendy Williams show and he was denied that right for alimony based on other things that were already in their divorce decree so maybe it's just to kind of get away from him and you know his new girlfriend and his baby and stuff you never know he might be like trying to intimidate her allegedly um, for money and stuff like that. So maybe being on the West coast might be better, but my only concern is selling everything. Like, I mean, even with a conservator, she should still have access to her money to the point where if she's ready to make a legitimate move, that they would be able to just go ahead, access her accounts and, you know, get her started on rent out there or whatever they need to do. Like, it doesn't make sense that she has to sell everything, um, to be able to go out there. So, I don't know. I hope everything is, you know, going good with her and that, you know, she's still on her sober journey. 
um, because I just don't want her to relapse into bad habits. And we want the podcast, Wendy. (laughs) Forget all this moving and everything else. Like get in there, get back in that chair for a few more minutes before you sell it and give us a podcast. There's a lot of stuff going on that we want your commentary on. So get in podcast mode and get ready to do the damn thing okay that's what we want and we want you to be healthy too all right these are the end of the trending topics stay tuned for our sports report hello 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 out there welcome to the sports update with j-rob today i will be covering the nfl and the nba let's get started with the nfl news The Detroit Lions have signed wide receiver Marvin Jones to a one-year contract worth $3 million. Also in NFL news, the NFL has announced that teams can have two Thursday night games per season. Last season, teams could only have one Thursday night game. And finally, with NFL news, Star linebacker Bobby Wagner has signed a one-year contract with the Seattle Seahawks worth $7 million. Now let's pivot to the NBA news. Uh, The Sacramento Kings have clinched a playoff spot, ending the longest playoff drought in NBA history. The Kings missed the playoffs for 16 consecutive seasons and have not made the playoffs since 2000. And six. Also in NBA news, Sacramento Kings forward Keegan Murray has set the record for most three corners made by a rookie by hitting 188 this season. And finally, in NBA news, the NBA playoffs start on Saturday, April 15th. A lot of teams are fighting for a playoff berth, but some teams are already eliminated. In the Eastern Conference, the Charlotte Hornets and Detroit Pistons are eliminated. And in the Western Conference, the San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets are eliminated. And this has been the Sports Update with J-Rob. Have a wonderful week. All right, T-Crew, let's get into my favorite part of the podcast. We're going to be talking about the deep dive. And today we are talking about the hip hop police. So if you follow me on Instagram, you know, yesterday I basically binged watched the new Rap Caviar Presents series um, on rappers. And it was a really good series. Talked about, you know, Tyler, the creator and how he's like the new face of hip hop and how hip hop can be different outside of gangster rap, even being from the West Coast. They talked about Odd Future and just like all the crazy, weird antics, but then also Tyler really getting into the music and, you know, him being a true artist and really loving rap and loving doing something differently every time. I mean, two album of the year Grammys, like that is amazing Um, in rap or no rap album of the year, Uh, two Grammys for rap album of the year. So that's just amazing. And, you know, just the the entire series was good. Coyle Ray was on there talking about body positivity and how, you know, she gets always called out for not getting a BBL, not getting her body done and just celebrating her natural body and how it's really taken a toll on her. But that, you know, she just matured and she's not going to stop in this industry because people are picking on her and her body type. 
Um, they also talked about like parasocial relationships. They talked about Roddy Rich and like how social media helped to build him up, but then it also broke him down. And that's why he hasn't put out a album in a long time because it's just been such a buildup of, I am afraid now to put out something that wasn't as good as my first album, um, which a lot of, uh, artist face that sophomore slump could really really you know affect a person's career um they talked about like a plethora of things I'm trying to think oh the city girls were in an episode they talked about their overt sexuality and like making you know their sexuality work for them and instead of letting men sexualize them they you know are owning their own sexuality and how that's affected hip-hop and how you know her Ben, Megan the stallion and other you know sexy female rappers have like re-emerged since the female rappers of the 90s um and just all of it all of it was really good i encourage you guys to really watch it if you like hip-hop or you just like documentaries it's it was a really good um series that they put out now something that they brought up in the very last episode that I found to be so interesting that I really hadn't heard before that I wanted to bring to you guys' attention is the hip hop police. Now Killer Mike was talking about the hip hop police and some of the instances that he had with them and it's basically like a police task force that is sent to follow rappers around and hip hop artists around and just follow them, tail them, profile them until a crime occurs. And I was just like, wow, this is so, 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 so predatory. So regularly for those that kind of are like not understanding what I'm saying in this point, regularly what happens is a crime is committed or, you know, a, a suspect, a crime is suspected at least. And then you have the police then putting in a warrant to, to tail somebody or, you know, get, you know, just cause to follow somebody around because you have suspicion, you have more than suspicion, you have reasonable belief that they have committed a crime or that they will commit a crime, you know, like things come in on the tip line, like, you know, there was a dispute at a bar and I think that this person is going to try to do something or whatever. So these are real suspicions where police would then go out and surveil the person to see if they're going to commit the crime that has been told to them. But the hip hop police are basically just always surveilling hip hop artists to make sure that if a crime is committed, they're arrested on the spot. And I think it's predatory because they haven't done anything. They're regular citizens. Imagine like you just, you're getting out of bed, right? You get up, you go to work. And as soon as you get in the car to drive to work, there's a cop car behind you. And then you go to shop right to grab groceries after there's a cop car behind you. And then you go to your kid's soccer game and there's a cop car there and you finally just think to yourself, like, what have I been doing? Some of the hip hop artists even go up to the cops and they're like, hey, like, what's going on? And they're like, nothing. We're just making sure that everything is everything, you know, following you, making sure. And I'm just like, if this isn't a modern day example of an overseer and a slave, you know what I mean? Like, that's the first narrative that came into my mind. You're not policing you're overseeing you're overseeing my activity because I'm a rapper and 
because my job and my music might depict a lifestyle that you think I'm committing crime. So you literally are following me. The game was also in this um, documentary and he talked about the cops literally following him from the studio to the basketball court, getting out of their car and sitting outside on the bleachers just to keep an eye on and intimidate him. And I was just like, this is so wild to me, but it makes so much sense. Different things would happen like um, when Lil Wayne got arrested, right? He was arrested on his tour bus for having a gold pistol, right? For having a weapon on him. And it's like, how did they know he even had a weapon on him? Now that I found that the police, the hip hop police are real, um, and this was corroborated in the documentary by a cop, a black cop that agreed to be in the documentary. And he was like, yeah, like it's a surveillance unit that basically follows them around waiting for them to commit a crime so we can go ahead and arrest them. I'm like, this is so, 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 so predatory. Like no other job would you allow someone to follow somebody around and wait till they committed a crime. And the funny part to me is like, these might be small crimes. They might be large crimes, whatever they end up catching them on. I think Lil Wayne got possession and had a year in prison because at the time, or I think still even in New York, if you have an unlicensed weapon, it's uh, a mandatory jail sentence of at least a year or maybe it's two years even. So there's different laws and different jurisdictions and stuff like that. But it's like, do you follow hedge fund managers to their job to make sure they're not frauding people? Do you follow stockbrokers around to make sure they're not shorting their stock? Do you follow doctors around to make sure they're not committing malpractice? Like there's risk in other jobs too. Why aren't you following them around? And it's basically just because they're mostly black um, mostly African-American or of color people. And they feel like they can get away with it because unfortunately a lot of these rappers are rapping about things that they've seen or have been involved in, in their past. And because of this, they feel like they're likely to reoffend if, you know, they have a record or some of them don't even have records, but that they're likely to reoffend. So they're going to continue to watch them. I just find it to be like really, really disgusting, um, that they're plain clothes, plain clothes, uh, cops at sometimes as well, that they're just kind of pulling up on people and getting them caught up in these situations. They watch the internet, they watch social media, they watch everything that these rappers do in order to bring them in on some type of criminal charge. I'm like, wouldn't your time be better spent actually solving real murders or going out and and really policing to end real crime that's actually happening before instead of spending resources going after crimes that haven't even been committed yet. It's just so weird to me. And it's just another example of incorrect policing, in my opinion. And it's just like, when is this going to stop? Like, there's a love-hate relationship between rappers, between the hood, between disenfranchised communities and the cops. And these are some of the reasons why. It's like New York City started it and now, you know, Chicago has one, Atlanta has one. It's just spread throughout, you know, other states because they found success in it. And it also, in my opinion, leads to people being like, nobody's untouchable, right? The person on the corner can get arrested as fast as Lil Wayne can get arrested as fast as Young Thug can get arrested as fast as Gunna can get arrested. Like 
there's nobody above the law. And while I appreciate that, because I do feel like celebrities should be held to the same standards, especially when it comes to serious crimes, I just don't understand policing people before they've done anything. They haven't done anything. And I just feel like if that was any other person, they'd be suing. They'd be like, no, I'm suing, I'm suing the state, I'm suing the city of, um, of New York because I've been profiled and I'm just going to the studio doing my job. I'm just going to the basketball court to blow off some steam after the studio. And the cops are literally so comfortable as to get out of their vehicles and just sit there and surveil me 24 seven. Like it's so disgusting. I just cannot believe that this is an actual thing that really happens. Um, and then they wonder why relations are so bad <laughs> between rappers and the cops and between the hood and the cops and nobody trusts them. It's just like, wow, uh, it, it's just unbelievable to me. The things that you could do with your time and what's actually being done, the resources that are being wasted um, just to kind of prove a point and ever, every so often get the opportunity to arrest a rapper like they're the big whale or some type of catch at the end of the day. It's just terrible. And it's just the mindset, again, like I said, of the overseer and the slave that has really been burnt into our society, um, you know, since the beginning of America, basically. And um, I don't know. I think some of these rappers should get together and sue because this is really disgusting. And I think any other group or profession would do that because why? Why are you just profiling us for no reason whatsoever? You know? What do you guys think? I want to know what you guys think in the comments. So don't forget to either leave a comment in the comment section if you're listening in Spotify or if you're listening in any other platform, go ahead and leave a comment in the reel that is associated with this topic. All right, stay tuned for our outro comments. All right, T-Crew, this is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you. I just want to thank you all so much for listening, sharing the podcast, engaging in our polls, engaging with our Facebook, liking reels, all the stuff that you do to help get the word out there and build our little community. As always, convict the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We won't stop until she gets the justice that she rightly deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I love you for listening. Bye.